This episode of the Power Bros Movie Reviews is brought to you by Fearless Wandering Productions and our supporters at Patreon.com. Did you know that patrons of the Power Bros Movie Reviews get access to a weekly patron-only bonus show called Movie Chronicles with the Power Bros? They also get early access to our main show. Join today on Patreon.com for these benefits and more. And now, on with the show. Another definition of a hero is someone who is concerned about other people's well-being and will go out of his or her way to help them, even if there is no chance of a reward. That person who helps others simply because it should or must be done and because it is the right thing to do is indeed, without a doubt, a real superhero. To my way of thinking, whether it's a superhero movie or romance or comedy or whatever, the most important thing is you've got to care about the characters. You've got to understand the characters and you've got to be interested. If the characters are interesting, you're halfway home. Stanley quotes. All right, so welcome to the Powell Bros Movie Reviews podcast. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Tobias Powell. I'm joined with uh, one of your other hosts, Trenton. Hello. Welcome to our podcast. Welcome. We are back. We are we are so back. <laughs> Even though we weren't gone very long, but we're back. So we're doing a uh, another intro episode. This will be the introduction to season one. We'll just kind of go over everything that we expect to see in season one in depth of all the episodes that we'll be doing and covering, all the movies that we'll be covering, and just what you can expect from our reviews and stuff like that. We're going to wrap up our entire childhoods and put them in nice, put a nice bow on it. <laughs> yeah. a, lot of, a lot of movies I'm excited to go back and watch. Yeah, exactly. Um, so for... This season, we'll be going over a lot of the early years of Marvel, both the early years that of movies that Marvel made. Also, since it will be chronological, there will be some newer movies, but that take place in uh, the earlier years of the fictional world of Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um, so, our first episode um, will be uh, on Captain America, the first Avenger. And that can be expected for next week's episode. Uh, we will be doing a kind of like a prequel episode, but we'll be talking about that later. So our first episode will be Captain America, the first Avenger. The next one will be X-Men First Class, X-Men Days of Future Past, X-Men Apocalypse, X-Men Dark Phoenix, X-Men Origins, Howard the Duck, Woo. Punisher 1989 version, Captain Marvel, Blade, X-Men, Blade 2, Spider-Man, Daredevil, X2, Hulk, The Punisher, uh, and that's the, I don't know what year that is, but it's not the 89 version. 2002. Oh, yeah. It's either 2002 or 2004. Yeah, early 2000s version. Uh, mm-hmm. Spider-Man 2, Blade Trinity, Elektra, Man-Thing, Fantastic Four, X-Men Last Stand, Ghost Rider, Spider-Man 3, and our last episode of the season will be Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer. Pretty much covering all of early 2000s Marvel. Yes, all of early 2000s Plus some others. Plus the ones that take place in early 2000s or 80s, 90s, 70s, all that stuff. We'll be experiencing the the ups and the very low downs of Marvel. (laughs) Yeah. So that'll be season one. 
we're going to split all of Marvel into three seasons. Um, with each season in between, there will be a season of non-superhero, non-Marvel. For season two, uh, or, sorry, our second season of Marvel shows will be everything from Iron Man through Spider-Man Far From Home. And that'll be mostly MCU with a little bit of Sony and a little bit of Fox in there. And that's our plans for Marvel and what we got for that. Oh, I guess for our, our third, third season. season, our third season will start with, I think it starts with Into the Spider-Verse, okay. which is an animated one, but that's kind of different and we'll explain that further. Okay. And that'll go through just whatever comes out. So, I mean, we're going to be, we'll be probably the Marvels six seasons into the, we'll be, yeah, six seasons into, uh, our podcast. So whatever's out by that point, we'll be going through all of it. I'm expecting about 30 episodes for that season as well. Um, season one will be 27. Season two will be 30, I believe. Exactly. So expecting about 30 for season three as well. Or mm -hmm. a third season of Marvel, I should say. Yep. But yeah, that's a long rant of our expectations for our actual episodes and yep. what we'll be covering in those. Yeah. I'm excited. And for anyone who would like to support us, we do have a Patreon. Um, let's go ahead, and go ahead and go on Patreon and find the Powell Bros movie reviews, and we're going to have all kinds of great content for you guys, uh, as along the lines of after-hour shows and maybe um, some special episodes on various topics. Um, we might take breaks from, from talking about superheroes and throw some, some episodes on other movies and maybe just quick reviews of movies even, um, where... We have there's a whole list of of things that we could we can do and provide for you guys as we build our our Patreon um, support and so uh, please yeah um, the more that you are able to give the more that we're able to do and so um, go ahead and support us on Patreon and today we have an after hours show and right after this episode um, we will be talking about the multiverse and Tobiah is going to attempt to explain marvel's um the mcu's version of the multiverse to me because i'm very confused uh not that i don't get the concept of a multiverse i just don't get what marvel is doing from no way home to loki to quantumania to uh what was the other multiverse oh multiverse of badness uh it, to me it seems like they they keep setting up uh threats in in, in and then resolving them in their own movies and and not really having a continuous thread throughout the whole the story so either way if you want more of that uh go ahead and support us on patreon and that episode will be dropping uh along with this one on our patreon yeah and with yeah anything else you would say to that uh no i mean it'll, it'll be a little more relaxed we'll just be talking about whatever I mean, we're going to be talking about uh, Loki, so I'm sure we're going yeah. to talk about how we felt about the show and what we yep. liked or disliked. So it'll be also kind of like a little bit of a review of that. Yep. Yeah. And I don't know about relax, but we're we'll, we'll probably go at it a little bit, which is fine. <laughs> yeah. Next up, uh, yeah, we're going to be um, 
for each movie that we review, we're going to provide a ranking. Um, so since we're doing three seasons of Marvel, we're going to have a long, what, like 90 movie, 90 film tier list of uh, every single movie ranked. It's going to be our own ranking. We have our personal rankings and we're going to come to unanimous decision um, and come up with a, a full list of, of our ranking of, of Marvel movies. And we're going to do it movie by movie. So the first episode is going to be Captain America, the first Avenger. So we're going to obviously have that as number one. Um, and then the next movie will be X-Men First Class, which I already know now is going to be number two um, and, and so forth. And we'll, we'll move those around Days of Future Past. That's going to be number that's going to go ahead of first class for me, at least. Um, but and it might change. I, a lot of these movies I've not seen in a while. So we're going to watch them on our own time and just have our own um, fresh reaction to these movies and be able to rank them and, and discern, OK, this is where we think it should fit in our list. And and with that, we're gonna have we're gonna have a rating system as well, where we're gonna rate each movie uh, one through ten, um, including decimal points. So you know we'll, we may give one movie a seven point three, and then another movie a five point one. Like, and but we're gonna try to stay consistent so that every single movie in our ranking has a a rating system, a, a rating um, has a rating to it. So that when we're done, we're able to say, okay, so Infinity War is a 8.9. I don't know if that's what it's going to be. Um, and X-Men Origins Wolverine is a 4.1, whatever. And, and with that, we're going to have our own system of rating. So we will be looking at um, story, plot, character development. We're going to look at uh, what, a villain, the villains in the movie. Because... Um, Almost every superhero movie is made or it, the villain will make or break any superhero movie. Um, so we're going to look at the villains, look at the hero, look at his struggles and challenges. You know, is did, did he have uh, have a struggle? Did he have responsibility that he had to learn to to over um, to, to take on for himself, uh, you know, and, and so forth? Um, so we're going to get that. We're also going to look at uh, comic book accuracy. Um, we're, we're not big comic book nerds i mean we i mean we are oh yeah, i say we are comic book nerds um but we we're not like we're not the the most nerdy when it comes to comic books but we know enough um and especially me i i think i would we're basically introduced to comics through movies yeah yeah like we both were um i i i think i liked yeah well like spider so spider-man has always been my favorite superhero still is um, Spider-Man and then probably Batman, but Spider-Man's always been my favorite. Um, I was introduced to him in the first Spider-Man movie. Um, I, I remember watching some of the cartoons after that. I, I remember I think reading some comics and, but, uh, but mostly I was mostly introduced to the villains and, and, and the characters in that universe through the Sam Raimi trilogy. And then eventually the web, uh, Mark Webb's Mark Webb, is that his name? Whatever his name is, yeah. but his last name is Webb, um, and he made yeah. Spider-Man movies. That's all I know. <laughs> um, the, the Amazing <laughs> Spider-Man movies, and then I, I late eventually, I think in high school, I started reading a lot of the Amazing Spider-Man comics. Uh, I made my way through the first like thirty of them, I think, um, and I, I would love to pick those back up because I, I enjoy those a lot. But um, but either way, like, and so I, I know a lot more about Spider-Man comics more than I know about Captain America or, um, or Iron Man, but. 
I have gained a little more knowledge over the last handful of years and and just looking at Marvel Comics as a whole and, and learning about different characters. And, and then, of course, as characters are introduced in the movies, that provides more of an avenue to be like, oh, I, I want to learn more about this character, and so I'm going to go read this comic and, and whatnot, but... Where uh, so yeah, so we wanna we wanna do the best we can to provide comic book accuracy. Like X um Wolverine's suit is not very comic book accurate in the Fox universe. Like we know that. Um he doesn't wear the yellow and blue. And that's okay, I think, within that universe. I don't know if it would have fit um with just with the tone that they set for those movies, but but uh, but that's something to take in, into consideration. I think Hugh Jackman's Wolverine is incredible. I don't think any other actor could do better than him. But but his suit wasn't super comic book accurate. So it's just little things like that that we're going to think through and work through as we build a rating system for mm-hmm. these movies. Yeah. So, yeah, that's um, I think that's just about it for the rating and ranking. Anything else you want to add? No. Uh I mean, so I I can kind of get into like some of what I'll be looking for, and I mean, I think a lot of what we're gonna come down to is what's beautiful in this movie, what's good in this movie, what's bad in this movie, and what's ugly in this movie. I think mm-hmm. really come down to those four things, and we can really see and truth is where well. like yeah, we can just really put break a movie down into those four categories, no matter what it is, whether it is the the story, the, I don't know, the comic accuracy or the acting mm-hmm. or the cinematography and just anything. Like, I think it can all be broken down into those four categories and yeah. that's what we're going to be yeah, really like, looking at. Like, one thing that's going to be hard is rating CGI uh, because it fluctuates throughout the years. However, uh, modern Marvel, uh, we're in the year 2023 right now and Marvel seems to be lacking in the special effects <laughs> department. Um and uh, the computer generation department, uh, because you have things like She-Hulk, and you have the I, what I think was the mess of Quantumania, uh, which I think that, it, and I've I've heard some of the the issues behind the scenes uh, with those movies and with those projects. Like it's not necessarily the director and producer's fault. It's literally Marvel Studio just not giving their visual effects department more t- enough time to do the work that they're they're paid to do. But anyways, so it's hard to like judge that. Cause then you go to like, you know, the 2003 Hulk movie. It's like the CGI is pretty, pretty bad in that movie, but, it, but it's 2003. Um, and so for 2003, it's, it's, it's not that bad. You even get to Iron Man. I just watched Iron Man the other day and I can tell some of the CGI is not, it's not great. And it has some problems but for 2008, it was it was really it was incredible, and I remember watching it and being like, "This is like the most amazing thing ever." Like I've I've never seen something a scene uh, a a suit like Iron Man's in live action uh, displayed in such a you know just a great fashion, and and they did a great so they did a good job doing a full CGI suit. Uh, you get to today, and it's like even then, like there's more advancement and more. Um, ability and more opportunity for these studios to make great cgi but yet they don't often have enough time to or they try to do too much and it just becomes kind of messy so i don't even know how we're gonna rank cgi we probably won't even take it into consideration unless it's just like yeah this movie just 
did not take the they did not put the effort into making this halfway decent. Yeah. Or well, least, I think yeah. I I think we should put a little bit of mm-hmm. consideration into it. I mean, we can take into account like okay, when was this made? What was the other CGI and other movies like in yeah. this movie? Right. Of um. And if you think of like, like I was just thinking of uh, you said Iron Man, and I was thinking Ghost Rider. I mean, mm. the CGI in that was incredible. Like, mm. it really was. And it, it was just what, made yeah, a year, year before. That? It was 2007, so it's just a year wow. before Iron Man. Yeah. Okay. So, like, there really was... There, there is no excuse for how the CGI is today other than they're not... They're not giving the time for it. Like, they right. really just aren't because we know that the technology exists for them to make great CGI. Right. So I I think we'll be a lot harder on CGI as we get down the time, but for and but for these older movies, like we can be like, wow, for that year, that was groundbreaking CGI. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So you want to talk about uh, why we're doing superheroes? Yes. Um, yep. We clearly are starting with marvel and i think it's pretty evident it's something we're pretty passionate about so Mm -hmm. uh yeah yeah uh there's a lot that's a lot of good reasons why we want to do superhero movies um i i do not put superhero movies very high on my list of favorite genres when it comes to what makes a good movie just because it's i think it's it's in its own category of it's in itself Meaning that um, superhero movies require more suspension of disbelief than other movies, which is fine. Like Star Wars is a is a you know it's a space movie about um, you know aliens and and wizards and um, so, and laser swords and it's like okay well there's suspension of disbelief but but it's more dr- driven by story. Superhero movies are more driven by um spectacle and uh by you know having making sure you're hitting all these different tropes and um and you're you are telling a story but you're more focused on the the spectacle of 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 being of a superhero like this the amazement of like this person is given super power build super abilities and they're sent to save the world and and um and and like we can i think it's more like popcorn movie pop like it's something that you just you pop in and you just, you love doing you're not you're not always looking at the you're watching a superhero movie to kind of unplug in a sense now mm-hmm. i say that not i'm not saying that like you don't look at plot you don't consider character development you do you you do it it, it is driven by the characters um but it, but it's also i think more driven by the, just the fact that it's a superhero and we just like watching superheroes the question is why is it why why are we drawn towards that why are we drawn towards superhero movies why do we like um to follow and 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 learn about a person who's given these super abilities to go and save the world and there's a lot of reasons uh for one i i would like to also say one of the reasons why we're doing this is because uh this was kind of our childhood. We we loved superheroes growing up. We just enjoyed watching them, and um, so as kids, like that was something we were drawn towards, and it's something we still we still are for the most part. And and I have kids of my own now, and I'm able to show them superhero movies and and uh, comics and whatnot. And it's like it's been fun to be able to bring them alongside and like, hey, this is like what I got to enjoy as a kid, and now I get to help 
help my boys enjoy it. But um, but I I do that, and and we did we we love superheroes for a reason, and it's because of we are drawn towards these these tropes, these themes that we see in superhero movies, where we see a savior, we see one who's willing to give his life for the better betterment of others and those around him. He's willing to give his life. He's selfless. He's sacrificial. Uh, he takes responsibility. You know, you know what's what what's what's Spider-Man's line? Well, or Uncle Ben's line, with great power comes great responsibility. You know, so with whom is given much, much is expected. If a hero, a person, even if you know, and you have various types of heroes, you have ones who were born with gifted with abilities, you have ones that were um, you know, which one one's common even today that we see in movies and, and we see in the comics is heroes that um, become heroes by accident, whether in a scientific accident or um, you're bitten by a radioactive spider. You're, um, you know, so not, what's the not, quote? What's the quote? You're either born with greatness or greatness is thrust upon it's, you. It's, yeah, it's thrust upon you, bestowed upon you. Yep, exactly. You know, not everyone is Superman. Um, even you know, in these superhero movies, it's like um, Superman was, I, I believe, one of the first superheroes. Um, ever written i believe i think action comics number one is superman i believe and that was like the first comic um but like and so we kind of get that the concept of superhero from superman and then all these other heroes come from that i know batman shortly came after and he was completely different because he wasn't born with greatness but he was born with wealth but he was also born in tragedy with his parents dying and and having to overcome that and and uh eventually yeah learning that he needs to be a hero but a certain kind of hero um in order to save gotham and, and save those around him so forth mm-hmm. um anyway so you have various types of heroes but the 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 thing that we see common among them is that they're given a, an ability that others don't have and they're given great power and so therefore what's required of them is great responsibility um, so, so we th- see these th- those type of themes in superhero movies, and we're drawn to them. Um, the one thing we're gonna talk about is just story structure in these movies. So, like one aspect uh, in story plot and 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 stories that we see in movies. Um, one, tr- I don't I don't know if you call it a trope, but we see what's called the Dark Knight of the Soul, which is the moment that, in specifically in superhero movies, is when the hero is is about to die. Uh, we see this often. He's about to die, or sometimes he actually does die, but then he's either saved by another, or he finds the will to press on, or he's given an ability or a power that he maybe didn't know he had, or that he's now been given. Um, or there's like a form of resurrection. Yes, right. Um, and he's resurrected, and then he's able to then defeat the villain. Um, but that happens in almost every superhero movie where he's at the brink of, of defeat and, and he, he dies in a sense, and then he's resurrected and defeats. Mm -hmm. Um, so every good, every good superhero story has that in it. Yeah. Right. I think, cause we don't, I think that's why, I think that's why a lot of the modern Marvel movies don't have that. They don't have them going through a struggle and overcoming that struggle you know they they have to in the dark night of the soul the very important thing is usually for them to overcome it or for them to get that special power or whatever they have to repent of something 
to mm-hmm. get that. Like they have yeah. to realize, oh, I've been wrong here. I need to repent of this. And now I have, now I have this ability. Now I can overcome this. You know, was I holding on to my ego and I need to let go of my ego and repent of that. And now I can, now I can save whoever. Right. Or, Absolutely. or, you know, get my powers. Mm-hmm. So like Iron Man one is a perfect example of this. Mm-hmm. I love Iron Man one. Um, it's one of my favorite Marvel. I, but yeah, it's, I, it's my top five. Uh, I, I, don't hold me to that because by the end of this, I might change my mind. But anyway, um, <laughs> in, in Iron Man 1, you have Obadiah who betrays Tony Stark. Um, and Tony's too arrogant to really see that what, what Obadiah is doing. Um, he, he gets glimpses of it and he, he eventually does figure it out. But Obadiah betrays him and removes the arc reactor from, from um, Tony and then leaves him to die. And as he's dying, he goes and finds the arc reactor that Pepper had kept, which he told Pepper to throw away um, because he didn't think he needed it. But Pepper's like, no, I, I, w- I want to keep this mostly for her own keep, for her own sake. Um, it, it's, it was Tony's first heart. Um, and and so he, she keeps it and he goes and finds it and then uses that to resurrect himself and come back. And then he goes on to defeat Obadiah. But one thing... But, what we see throughout Iron Man, the first one is that Tony's a, you know, he's full of himself. He's very self-centered. He, um, he doesn't care about the, those around him. He doesn't work well with those around him. You see his relationship with Rhodey in that, and that Rhodey's just get, always getting frustrated. He's kind of always having to babysit Tony, um, uh, because he just wants to, you know, Tony. Yeah. He's just, he, he wants to party. He wants to, you know, he doesn't want it. He doesn't want to take responsibility. He wants to, um, yeah, do his own thing. And he has to overcome that and realize that he can't do it on his own. And, and that for one, the only thing that's keeping him alive is this arc reactor. Um, and he was, um, foolish enough to not, to see, not see that, um, Obadiah was going to betray him and also to not trust Pepper. And, And throughout the movie, we see that, uh, and then, but eventually he overcomes that and does learn to trust Pepper and does learn to trust Rudy and realizes that he cannot he cannot defeat Obadiah. He cannot win without them. And Pepper's actually the one that does, you know, turn on the the arc the arc reactor at Stark at Stark Industries and then is that's what kills Obadiah. And even in that, Tony sacrifices himself, though he survives, but he sacrifices himself in order to kill Obadiah. Um so anyways, we just those are themes that, yeah, the common themes that we see, and I think Iron Man's a perfect example of that. But um, the reason that we're we're drawn to that, we want the reason we want to see our our heroes struggle, um, our heroes come to the point of death, and then be resurrected, and 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 you know the resurrection is always the moment where we're cheering and getting excited and, and you know rooting for our hero, um, and we we see him, we see the, the his character arc come to its conclusion um and 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 so forth we love that we want that is because that's how that's how god writes stories death and resurrection is the most common theme in all of history um and specifically in all of scripture starting all the way back in um at genesis three fifteen, when when god promised that um he says that a one one would come to crush the head of the serpent of 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 satan the one who deceived man into sin um but he says that that won't happen until that person that promised one 
would first be crushed, would first be bruised, as the Hebrew word says. He's going to he's going to die, but in his death he's going to defeat the the serpent, the villain. And so he's promising that the Messiah will come, that that but that he will die first, but through death he will defeat the 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 serpent. And so the modern superhero, he's always a, a Messiah, one with superhuman abilities, one from another world, one who comes and saves people from the villain, from the serpent, to go and kill the dragon. Uh, but the hero often dies. Uh, he 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 is bruised. He is he is crushed before he is victorious. Um, so that's just a, that's that's a common theme that we see in any story. Like we and we yeah. Love even if stories. you think of like yeah, if you think of like success stories, like you mm-hmm. always want to hear the success stories where the person was. I mean, you hear Dwayne Johnson's all the time. I had seven bucks in my pocket, you know, and it's yeah. like that's all he had. So then that was enough to like. Like he was at his lowest and worst, and that's what mm-hmm. gave him the the strength to push forward and to get into wrestling and get into acting right. and now become the world's most successful actor. So right. and you, you hear thing, that all the time with yeah. any any kind of success story. It's like yeah, you love those ones that like oh they had nothing and mm-hmm. they made something of themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, adversity uh, breeds character and 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 breeds success in, in various capacities like we're, we're not gonna we will we will not grow as people without adversity without trials without hardships and we look to heroes um and we see we we can we can identify with them in in a certain way and that like wow like we went through that struggle we went through that hardship um and then we, we see the hero overcome it um and then i think as, as christians we look at superheroes and we see right we need we need a hero we need a messiah we need a savior who would come and and defeat the villain defeat the the enemy defeat the bad guy um and rise victorious um and so and and so so we we desire that because that's the way that god tells stories that's the way that that's way that's why we love stories um like there's a certain formula that's ingrained in 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 every story because every story is written by the great storyteller and we see that in superheroes and we long for that as we look as we watch superhero movies and read superhero comics and um so and so and so as we said in the intro episode like stories change us stories inspire us stories um spur us on they they teach us um about difficulty and hardships and, and trials and but also what responsibility looks like and uh, what it what it looks like to be a character in your story, because um, you know, we we are all characters in this story, and and so the question always is, what kind of character am I going to be? Am I going? Am I being the villain in this scenario, or am I being the good guy? Am I being the superhero? Um, am I am I am I maybe I'm a supporting character in someone else's story, and what does that look like for me to support that person as they work towards? their goals and and are are driven towards what they're driven towards and how can i support them um so like i like i'm a i'm a support character in my son's lives uh, and in a sense and so how am i supporting them how am i coming alongside them as they grow as they learn as they read stories and 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 learn and um learn from stories and so forth so which is kind of which is going back to yeah we're going back to the theme of this podcast we we want to talk about stories and why stories are important and 
superhero movies are a pretty big um they have a big influence in in our culture um just look at the box office uh marvel has been one of the most successful studios uh, of all time like they've they have some of the highest grossing movies of all time and there's a reason for that and i think it's because our our culture is longing for heroes um and of course i would say they they're longing for a messiah and they're they're finding it in in the wrong place by looking at movies and looking to, to the superheroes um but it shows that there is an innate desire and that innate drive for something beyond them something that they can't attain obtain in and of themselves um and, and so so that's so that's another reason like store uh, superhero movies have had a huge impact on our on our culture uh, in our in the in, among our the youth of our age among our generation um and the generation that's coming up right now and throughout um yeah the generation that's coming up right now it's like it yeah superhero movies have had an impact and what we see with marvel now is that i i would say they're te- they're not telling very good stories and we see that you know that they're not telling good stories now, and then we're seeing the impact that I think it does have upon others. Um, not saying that's the only thing. Like movies and stories, like aren't the only factor in all this, but it is one that we're focusing on and talking about and saying, "Hey, this is this is what we see. These are themes that we see and how they impact us in different ways and so forth." Because I was saying everyone watches movies, and we but we want people out to discern how to watch movies and how to watch superhero movies. Um, especially that's why we're going over like every single Marvel movie, mm-hmm. uh, because yeah, we want people to be able to learn. Okay. You know, even, even like when you watch a movie like X-Men origins or Howard, Howard, the duck, you know, people say those are just awful movies. And, and so then you can go into it with that expectation and being like, Oh, this is going to be a terrible movie. Um, without maybe even knowing why it is terrible. So it's like, we want people to know like, okay, this is what's wrong with this movie. This is why it fails. Um, this is what's good in this movie. But, and, you know, so we, we want to look at the good. We want to point that out, but also say like, yeah, this is where they went off track. Character was not well-written and, you know, his arc is non-existent in this and, and, and so forth. And he doesn't have that struggle. He doesn't face that adversity. And we we just want to point those kind of things out for for everyone and so that they can go into the movie and think about it from a more objective standpoint. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we could also, I mean, we will, I mean, as soon as we get to, I think our first one is, I guess it's technically Dark Phoenix, but that one and Captain Marvel, these Dark female-led superhero movies, we can get into, I mean, this is just a fact, they don't do as well as male-led superhero movies, and we will get mm-hmm. into why that is, mm-hmm. why... uh why people just aren't as drawn to those ones as they are with yeah and with like male led i don't want to get into it right now but but i would say that i think i think there's a way to do a good female superhero movie um i just i don't think people get it because what what these female superhero movies are trying to do is they're tr- they're, they're trying to say these women are like are can act like men they can they can square up with the men they can be men in a sense and that's that's not what makes a good female hero i guess um and and there's a lot more to that um but instead of being a um a good female hero they're trying to say this female is is a good male hero 
because uh, they act they act like a man. But even in that, they they usually don't give these females any struggle, anything to overcome. Um, Captain Marvel is a great example of that. She doesn't really have much to overcome um, in her in her story, and that's that's a problem because there's not we. It's hard to identify with a character that doesn't struggle, that doesn't have some um, adversity that they need to work through, and and they don't they don't have character development. Like I would say, Captain Marvel has not had character development throughout her first movie. And what I've heard from the Marvels, I've not seen the Marvels. Um, what I've heard, or even what we see in Infinity War, Endgame, and uh, wherever else she showed up. She's just a beacon of feminism that flies through mm-hmm. the air. Yep, <laughs> pretty much. And, and, and it's not just us saying that. Like, anyone, yeah. like, looking at these movies, you know, objectively um can say like yeah she, she they're not giving her anything to overcome she's she's a very yeah. flat character um who's just give who's happens to get um receive these great powers from the tesseract and then is able to go and and save the world by not having to deal mm-hmm. with her own internal struggles and yeah. overcome what she's yeah i think through. you hit it on the head like they just don't they tr- they there it is very possible to make a good female-led film just in general like any kind of film <laughs> and also superhero and um you're right they just they treat it as they treat these women as they're just as good as men in mm-hmm. a male role and right and there are differences between men and women there are different mm-hmm. roles that men and women have in that are both glorious in life that they are given they have a purpose and they are glorious in their purpose, not in the man's purpose. Yep. And they need to stop making movies where these women are try they're trying to be represented as glorious in these male roles. Yep. And that's where they fall short. Right. But yeah, we will Good get point. into it a lot more when we get to Dark Phoenix and Captain Marvel. Yep. Yeah, any anything else you'd like to add to that as far as why we're doing superheroes and I don't think I no, have. No, I think we're I think we're else. good. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I think you hit it on the head and that we yeah. we just are really drawn to these stories because of the the savior aspect of them and mm-hmm. what they what the superheroes represent. And then uh, of course they they're just fun to watch. <laughs> they yeah. they're, they're fun to yeah. to there's something exactly. that you can enjoy. And I but I think but I also, you know, there is a line there, of course, where you can enjoy it too much, but um, I hope mm. that we can be helpful to people as we evaluate and talk through these movies. Yeah, absolutely. Because then you're going to get to like the X-Men and where you have multiple heroes all working together um, and dealing with their own struggles and, and their own things that they need to overcome. Um, and, and just, it'll be interesting to talk about like team up movies, I guess, and just how does this work? Yeah. And how, how do we understand that the dynamic, those dynamics? Yeah. I think there's, there's definitely some movies where we will see when it works well and when it does not work, and yep. uh, we'll definitely be able to talk about talk talk in depth about that. Yep. All right. Well, next up, do we want to talk about the history of Marvel and what's led up to what it's called the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and especially yeah, this yeah. is kind of what we're talking about as we go through these movies. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. If we yeah, let's get into the history of it. Yeah, so um, we really want to provide a history uh, of Marvel just for us to have a good context going into 
um, well, next week's episode. Um, and mm-hmm. just get kind of good context for all, all of our shows going forward. Um, so Marvel uh, itself was actually founded all the way back in 1938 by Martin Goodman. Uh, it was at that time called Timely Comics. And by 1951, it had generally become known as Atlas Comics. So it gone through a lot of different names. And I would say Timely and Atlas are definitely not as cool as Marvel, but that's what they went with. Uh, the Marvel era, the, the name Marvel, uh, actually began uh, in June 1961 with the launch of uh, the Fantastic Four. Um, the Fantastic Four being the first uh, actually a really superhero comic. Well, I'll talk about this more in a second. Uh, but the first like one that we would recognize, first like team up comic and whatnot, like and first one under the Marvel era, it was Fantastic Four. Um, and then there was other, of course, uh, superhero titles after that that were created by Stan Lee. We of course know him. Um, and other men that maybe were, aren't uh, as popular, but his name uh, one was Jack Kirby, Steve Ditko, and then, and then there was there's many others. So. Tobias, do you know who the first Marvel superhero was? The first one under, uh, I believe it was under Timely Comics, but the first Marvel superhero. Mm. Can you guess? I guess. I, I don't that. think I do. Cool, cool. So the very first one was the Human Torch. <laughs> so, yeah the human torch was oh, the first um created hero um alongside uh i think it was hydro man was the other one uh but you know of course the human torch oh. being the more well-known one that was marvel comics number one so sorry this was under marvel uh after 1961 before the before the fantastic four they released marvel comics number one and it featured the human torch now do you know what stan lee's first comic that he wrote was it because stanley didn't do the human torch one but do you know what his first comic was like what superhero yeah uh i'm gonna guess maybe the fantastic four yeah 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 there you go with was it the one was okay yeah yeah fantastic four was his first um you get eventually when he wrote spider-man uh fantastic four featured in in that uh I believe they're featured in the first Spider-Man comic. Yeah, um, it was Spider-Man featured in a yeah. Fantastic Four comic. Yeah, basically, yeah. Um, that yeah, because that was um, oh, I can't remember the title of the comic now. Uh, Amazing Fantasy. Or, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's gonna bug me. It's Amazing but... Fantasy number one or something. Yeah, Amazing Fantasy number one. Okay, um, and. I, I think I've, I think I've told you this, but I have I have seen a copy with my own eyes of the, of that first comic hmm. of a Spider Man wow. Amazing Fantasy. It was it was in pretty bad shape. I think it had like a three point two great uh, grade, um, which is very low. It's you know three point two out of ten as far yeah. as the quality, and I think it was still going for like seven thousand dollars or something. It was something huh. ridiculous. I, yeah. I, I don't know how many there are like left in the world, but there's not much, you know, which I just imagine that like being able to buy comic, a comic for like five cents and then later find out years, years later, find out that it's worth thousands and thousands of dollars. Yeah. Wow. 
But what's interesting is Marvel Comics, as they grew as a company, uh, as a a comic book company, they went through a lot of ups and downs, which they, of course, went through lots of ups and downs as a movie studio as well, which we'll get to. As a comic book company, they went through a lot of ups and downs. Um, And I think a lot of comic companies um, struggle with this. But um, because people... um, wanted to collect comics and 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 collect them thinking that they were going to be worth money people would go and buy like i'm going to buy five of this comic that that they released um they say it's captain america comic i'm going to buy five of them because i know i think that in 20 years it's going to be worth a lot of money the problem was is that everyone would do that everyone would buy like five of them and then it wouldn't it wouldn't be worth that much money because everyone has it and so then people would be like, "Oh, this isn't really worth it." Then I'm not going to buy comics anymore. And then it would go, they would go up and down as far as profit. Um, so they would never know like how much how much they were actually going to make on any comic that they released because eventually people would stop buying them because they're like, "Oh, you know, they're not going to be valuable." <laughs> little, did they, little did they know that there were there were a handful of them that are just valuable, but really it's not that many. Like there's not really that many comics out there that are worth thousands dare i say millions of dollars um like some of the amazing spider-man comics um i don't even i don't even know how much the first uh superman comic is worth it or like even i'm sure you can find them um but i'm sure that's almost millions of dollars but either way so they would they would go through that and so marvel is a company and like under timing comics but specifically in the marvel era they would just as a company, they would really struggle, but I think a lot of comic book companies were struggling at the time. So Stan Lee would go on to write a lot of the heroes that we love and appreciate, like Spider-Man, like the Hulk, Fantastic Four, Iron Man. He created Iron Man. And Marvel would have a lot of success during that time. Um, if you go back to when they were, I, I believe, Timely Comics, um, one of the first comics, one of the first superheroes that they released to the public was Captain America. And it was during World War II. And, you know, so you know the and the uh, you know the cover where Captain America is punching Hitler. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that? Yeah. Uh, which which they do in Captain America, like when oh, yeah. when when Steve Rogers is going around doing the 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 play, the propaganda tour. You know he he's, yeah. they have him punch Hitler. It's like well that's directly from the very first Captain America comic, um, who was one of the first hero one of the first superheroes created by Marvel Timely Atlas you know, whatever name you want to give to him back then. But um, that was, mm-hmm. yeah, um, eventually at one point they would turn, they actually turned away from comics because it, you know, it wasn't becoming profitable. So they or sorry. They turned away from superheroes. They would still release comics, but it would be like romance comics and dramas and, and adventure stories. Um, but that no one, re- it didn't really catch on and no one really wanted that. And so they're, they just for a lot of time, a lot of a lot of that period, they were just kind of scrambling to find something that would click with people and stick with people, and this would go on for years. Uh, eventually, Marvel realized and recognized that adapting their characters to to movies was going to be a more profitable uh, endeavor than doing comics, and so you would get various movies and TV shows um, that we are familiar with, but. Really, what what it really come down to is they just made a lot of really poor decisions, and they didn't really know how to market these superhero movies and superhero TV shows. So in the '60s and '70s, um, they tried their hand at live action TV shows, uh, and we can think of Lou Ferrigno's The Incredible Hulk, 
which is well known and it was actually well received and it was successful but it was wasn't long lived um we also have uh a, an um animated spider-man show which is not the 1990 uh i, I think 1992 one that is one of my favorite tv shows um that I, i've actually been watching through with my boys um but um it's not that one it was way it was way before that in like i think this it was in the six i think it was like 67 it was a a spider-man tv show i don't even know if you can find it anywhere but uh they they tried their hand at that didn't last very long um and so in order to to make money um well actually backing up uh, having little success with their pursuit of movies doing the incredible uh the incredible hulk they and um they have uh they had a captain america live action movie as well in the 70s that well it didn't do very great um um they had so and i know they had a handful of others during that period um but um after very little success in their attempt at making movies and tv shows in 1996 marvel studios was forced to declare bankruptcy after facing just a mountain of debt that they because they kept pouring money into these projects and it there was no return um and so in order to make money, they started selling off a lot of the rights to their characters to other studios. So we have the X-Men and Fantastic Four going to Fox. We have Spider-Man that, that went to Sony. Uh, we have Hulk that went to Universal. We'll kind of get a little more into that late, um, later, mostly when we talk about the Incredible Hulk. But because um, Marvel did have rights, still had dis distribution rights. Or no, sorry, Universal had dis distribution rights to The Incredible Hulk, meaning that they can decide when and where his the, the character of Hulk is used. And so they, they, they chose to partner with Marvel in order to make The Incredible Hulk, Edward Norton's Incredible Hulk, which was the second movie in the MCU and which set up eventually The Avengers. Um, but, um, but that was still under Universal, mostly. Uh, and same as with Spider-Man right now, because Spider-Man is owned by Sony, still um but marvel has bought most some of the rights to spider-man um but sony still has still has the the say can say whether or not it's they can use spider-man in whatever project uh so i do want to point out because i was just thinking about the <coughs> 70s stuff and talking about this season um yeah. we won't be going over any of the 70s stuff right that's the only thing we're not going over any of the 70s TV shows or 70s movies. A good patron episode would be us watching the Captain America movie or uh, <laughs> the Incredible Hulk TV show, which I would love to do. But Yeah, yeah. I think about it. For sure. Yeah, so we're not going to be going over those. That's the only thing we're not going over, mostly because they're just irrelevant. Yeah. Safe to say. Yeah. Well, yeah, they were, I'm going to they... get... Yeah, I'm going to get more into why, actually, because... So those the movies and TV shows in the seventies were were under a actually the title company Marvel Productions. It wasn't what we know uh, of as Marvel Studios. So after selling off their character rights to these various studios, um, in order to stay afloat, because they're selling these characters to say to Fox and say, hey, give us this much amount of money so that we can be profitable. You can make a movie. You can make the movies. You can do what you want. Uh, with with the characters, but we would like you know uh, you know a a, check, a paycheck for uh, giving you those those characters in those movies. Uh, for those, do movies. you know if because I know Ghost Rider was made by Sony, 
Did they have? Uh, did they sell Ghost Rider? Oh, is Cl- oh, is Columbia a Sony company? Yeah, Columbia Sony. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, so it was Sony. Yeah, so, so they Ghost Rider. They, Sony had had. I, I'm assuming they still do. I mean, I know that Ghost Rider was in the Agents of Shield. Yeah. Show TV show. So I'm I'm guessing Marvel now has the rights to Ghost Rider. There is rumors that he was going to be in Multiverse of Madness, and he's most definitely going to be in Secret Wars. Secret hopefully Wars. Nick Cage. But anyways, yeah. Um. So yeah, going back to um Marvel in the late '90s, after they sold off their character rights, um, they did so in order to stay afloat, and eventually they partnered with a toy company of all things called Toy Biz. This was in 1998. Uh, and they did so under the direction of Toy Biz's CEO. Uh, his name is Avi Arad. And Marvel, is a, as, at this point, Marvel as a company was completely restructured it, from the ground up, um, which led to the formation of Marvel Studios. But at first, they didn't actually focus on movies. They instead operated as a as a packaging company, so kind of continuing the same thing where they're, they're selling their characters off. They, it would be a, they would be a packaging company that provided screenplays, directors and actors for lead superhero roles with the intention of selling those packages off to other studios um so they so this what the first package being wesley snipes blade they they got wesley snipes they got director they got the screenplay and everything they're like okay uh new line cinema here you guys go give us money and go ahead and make your movie and of course Blade was very successful for at that time for a superhero movie. It, um, I I don't know exactly how much it made. I forgot to look, um, but it made a very good profit, uh, especially for a superhero movie and one that was rated R, that was very dark and gritty and um, was unlike really anything else that they, that we'd seen that we'd seen at that time. Um, but it did really well, and uh, and so a lot of other studios wanted to to. Um, wanted to profit off of that and jump on that bandwagon. And, and so that's also where Fox came in, um, and said, cause the, uh, uh, what year did Blade come? Blade came out in 1998. So it was around that. It was around the time when they went bankrupt. Then they became a new company. They kind of became a new company and then sold off their rights or uh, sold the rights of these various characters to these companies up to this point. Um, when we get to Blade, what we can also look at what came before that. The very first Marvel produced movie was, do you know? Howard the Duck. Yep, Howard the Duck, which had, uh, and do you know who the executive producer on Howard the Duck was? <laughs> George Lucas. Oh, yeah. The one and only. <laughs> Except for he very much regrets ever having any attachment to this movie. Um <laughs> And yeah. so does Marvel. Marvel doesn't want you to know it exists. That's why, if I'm not mistaken, it's definitely not on Disney Plus, nor will it, will it ever be on Disney no. Plus. <laughs> um, no. But Howard the Duck happened. Um, they actually they wanted to. Um, Howard the Duck was actually the only film that Marvel really attempt. From what I from what I can find, Mar- Howard the Duck was the only movie that Marvel attempted as a studio to make before they went bankrupt. And this was originally it was originally supposed to be an animated film, and they but they later later chose the live action route, and that was probably a terrible decision, especially with the CGI that they had. And yeah. I mean, I know they want yeah they use a lot of practical effects and whatnot, but 
but it was a so compl- although although go ahead although they're trying to hide this movie this is one howard the duck is one of the ones we will be watching and yes. reviewing correct it since since it was under marvel marvel studios right and and everything after yeah. that we will be Te- every yeah. other marvel movie after that right. we will be going over actually howard the duck was not under marvel studios it was under marvel i think it was no it wasn't production so so this it, or yeah it's yeah. whatever it was but it was it was a marvel it was a marvel movie so yeah it was it was 100 percent. but it was marvel before movie. they were they partnered with toy biz before they restructured as a company and became officially marvel studios um so i'm assuming yeah. if you watch howard the duck it says it was produced by marvel uh productions not studios but that's just mm-hmm. getting into the into the weeds i think there's a lot that do yeah um so like um there's another movie we see before um before blade is the 1989 punisher movie which was under um a new new world pictures studio uh, that it was under the studio New World Pictures, and Marvel had also, from what I could tell, sold the rights to Punisher to them so that they could make the the eighteen the nineteen eighty nine Punisher movie, um, which I think Marvel still had some involvement in that, but I don't know how much. Yeah. Um, the night then, uh, we were talking about this earlier. We're talking about it before we were yeah. recording. We've talked about this before we started recording, but. In 1994, they were going to release a Fantastic Four movie, but that was never and never actually saw the light of day. You, you can find a bootlegged version of it uh, somewhere online, in the dark. Yeah. So um, the completed movie does exist. Yeah. But it is not not officially released by Marvel. Mm-hmm. It was just leaked. Right. Um, which yeah, which is definitely interesting. That was in 1994. Um, and then you get to 1998, so four years later, which is funny. If you look at the production quality of, of what you can see of Fantastic Four, and then you look at Blade, it, it's like night and day. Um, even in four years, they made a lot of improvement. Um, of course, Blade having been produced before 1998 and but released in 1998. So yeah, that's where you get up. To, that's where we're at with Blade. Uh, after Blade, like I said, Fox. Fox saw the success that New Line Cinema had with Blade, and so they sought to capitalize on it um, by releasing the X-Men in the year 2000. So there's Fox. So Marvel sends package deal, says, okay, you guys have these actors, you have this director, you have this screenplay, go ahead, make your X-Men movie, but pay us um, for the characters. Sony, same thing with Spider-Man. Sony's like, oh, okay, so New Line Cinema... They're successful. Successful. You have Fox. They have the X Men, which did it really well as also, and um, um, and so Sony's like, okay, we want Spider Man. So they get the rights to Spider Man. They make one of one of the best superhero movies of all time, Spider Man One, and then even better in Spider Man Two. Um, so capitalizing off that. Um, but what's significant about all of this is that Marvel made nothing off of all these movies. They they don't get a dime. Because they only get what they sold the character for. So they sold the package deal and they get the profit from that, but they don't get whatever money is made off of the movies. That's where they were at. But they were at the point of bankruptcy. Like They did declare bankruptcy. They um, had to take out a massive loan. They needed to pay off their debts. And so they're like, okay, we'll just sell these characters. So um, after... Um, 
So after seeing it's a Marvel um, studios now, after seeing the success of Blade, X-Men, Spider-Man, they started planning and looking towards what it would look like for them to start making movies again. It's like, okay, they've they've been selling off these characters, but if they're gonna if they just keep doing this, then they're not gonna have any characters left. Then they're gonna be Marvel Studios without any superheroes. You know, and so they're like, okay, what, what, how can we capitalize? What can, what would it look like for us to start making movies? Um, and so after being ten years, uh, after ten years from their ba- from being in bankruptcy up to two thousand and eight, um, they eventually uh, had taken out a five hundred twenty five million dollar loan, and they were coming up to having to pay it back. And so during this, they were they were forced to sell off another like ten. I think overall they they were oh so they were forced. If they could not pay off the debt, they were going to have to sell off 10 more of their properties. Uh, one being Captain America. Another one, the Avengers. Like, they could not use the Avengers if had they uh, had to sell these characters. Nick Fury was another one. Um, Black Panther. Shang-Chi. Um, There's a handful of others as well. Um, but it was, I think it was up to like 10 that they were thinking, okay, we're going to have to sell these off to these studios in order to pay off these debts, if we don't fix this, if we don't figure out a way to to profit off of these characters that we do have. And so they were kind of left in a state of panic. And they need to find something that worked. They need a franchise of movies in order to pay off their, their debt. And then along came Kevin Feige. Kevin Feige started off as the head of uh, creative input in, um, in Marvel. He, he even worked um, through Marvel with Fox, um, he was a producer on X Men, and uh, had involvement there. Um, but within Marvel Studios, he um, gave creative input and and saying, "Okay, this is if you guys want to be successful, like this is how you need to uh, work. Um, how how you need to write your characters and, pre- and present your characters, and these are the type of movies that I think you should make, and, and so forth. All different creative um, ideas that he had that he was able to give to them." As you know, a comic book nerd, and you know that he he loved comics, and loved movies, uh, and so, anyways, he was that was his role for a while, and then eventually he made his way up the ranks in Marvel to eventually becoming the president of Marvel, and as president, he um, I don't I, I don't know how much involvement he had with Iron Man, but he eventually he was pretty he he played a pretty significant role in getting Iron Man into production. Um, I know John Favreau as well. He he was he was a big part of that, obviously as the director. Um, but he came he came with the idea of of Iron Man, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, what we're gonna talk more about it. Um, there's a whole there's a whole story behind how, how Iron Man came to be that is actually quite fascinating. Like every everything was against them. Um, the fact that they chose Iron Man as the first hero in the MCU is actually like. Uh, People don't think about this now because we've seen Iron Man for so many years and we've grown to love the character. But if you go back to 2008 and you and you you watch a trailer, which I remember watching the trailer, it was actually very cool. But I'm I guarantee you, Tobiah, and myself, I know we had no idea who Iron Man was. Like I I'd uh-huh. never I mean, I might have heard, I might have heard of him coming by reading some other comics, but. For the most part, he was a very low tier superhero, and that's what people don't realize. Like he wasn't, he wasn't top tier. He wasn't Spider Man. He wasn't uh, Captain America. He, he wasn't. Um, he was. He wasn't known as a, as a great superhero. 
uh, or it, like as he wasn't very well known among the people. But they're like, we're gonna go with Iron Man, and not only that, but we're gonna go with uh, this this guy that just got a rehab uh, named Robert Downey Jr. You know, so they, they John Favreau took a huge gamble on Robert Downey Jr. Jr. knowing that it could all fall apart. You know, RDJ could could ruin every could ruin the whole production. But he's like, I, I want this guy to be my Tony Stark, and there was a lot of and there was a lot of other. Um, iterations of Iron Man, a lot of other concept ideas. Um, Tom Cruise for a long time was considered he was, uh, from what I know, he was never considered by John Favreau, but before Marvel, because Marvel had thought about doing Iron Man before because not only was Iron Man a very low tier character, but they didn't have very many options as we talked about. Like, they they didn't, they they got rid of the X-Men. They got rid of the Fantastic Four. They didn't have Spider-Man. Um, they didn't have all these great heroes that people knew about. And so they they had to like kind of scrape from the bottom of the bowl. And one of those being Iron Man. And so <clears throat> so he's very low tier. But um, so they took and they took a huge gamble with him. And obviously it paid off um, because we see the success. We saw the success of Marvel over the following 10 years from 2008. And um, we, we've seen its ups and downs. We see its ups and downs as a comic book company. We see it saw its ups and downs as a as a mar- as a studio. They made a lot of poor decisions um, in both both uh, both scenarios um, as a comic book company as a film studio. And now I, I think we still see them making pretty poor decisions, um, and you know to the point where they're probably going to reboot everything uh, with Secret Wars, uh, which we'll definitely talk about more in the future. But um, yeah, it's it's. It's fascinating to follow them throughout the years and see how they grew as a company and what what led us to the to re, to get the, all the movies that we have now and all the movies that we're going to be talking about and covering. Um, there's there's a lot more to talk about with Iron Man. There's a lot a lot of t- we could say about Captain America and, and Thor as well and like how all these movies came to be and what what laid the foundation for the Avengers and and so forth. But uh, we'll uh, we'll definitely dive into that as we go further. So. Dubai, do you have any any other thoughts or any questions about what we just covered? No, I think that covers everything. I mean, I think that really will set a a foundation for what people can expect from season one mm-hmm. and what we'll be talking about in our episodes about these different superheroes and just the craziness that was Marvel in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. And we'll be going over all of it. And now that we kind of see that today, all these old movies that Marvel had, all these old characters that Mar- Marvel sold to mm-hmm. these different production companies like Sony and Fox, how they are now coming into the Marvel universe yeah. with the multiverse and all that, yeah. we can really see that they are becoming canon. Mm-hmm. And that kind of brings a new excitement for all these old movies too. So that'd be cool to kind of go back to see them mm-hmm. and watch these movies and know that, oh, these are a multiverse soul kind of thing going on. Mm-hmm. And we'll be talking about that in our after hours episode. We're going to talk about how explaining how these are all connected and how the multiverse works in the in the Marvel universe. And I'll be explaining my perspective on it and how Mm -hmm. i think it kind of actually makes sense especially with uh the recent loki series and what's coming up with these uh 
these multiverse movies. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that's that kind of wraps up our episode here today. Mm-hmm. And our next episode will be coming out a week from today. Uh, for the listeners, uh, you can expect to hear our reviews for Captain America, the first Avenger. Yes, I'm excited. Yeah. Looking forward to it. All right. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank yes, you for listening. Thank you very much. This is the Pal Bros Movie Reviews. See ya.